Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.04 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 24th of May, 2023, and this is episode 733 of Bitcoin. And everybody is going to want to know why the price of Bitcoin dropped. We got barted. If you don't know what the BART pattern is on a technical analysis chart, it's the shape of BART's head. It goes up on one side, kind of goes to the side, up and down, up and down, up and down, and then it drops on the other side. Pretty much the exact shape of Bart's head. We'll get into some of that uh, as to what's potentially causing that. Uh, it's honestly, it's a weak market right now. I mean, let's just let's be let's be honest with each other. There's no real strong bullish pattern that I can see, and I'm not talking about technical analysis bullish pattern. I'm talking about general sentiment, and this happens towards the end of bear markets. It always does. It probably always will. It's the energy level that people have has been drained. I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but you get the you, you get all the, the the people buying into Bitcoin, and then all of a sudden it starts rocketing up, and then all these new people get excited, and they're just you just you can feel it on all social media. You can feel it in the voices of people on their podcasts. You can feel it. It's tangible. It's it's palpable. You can touch it almost. And then we get to the high, right? And then everybody's just absolutely nuts. And then the price starts to fall. And then what do you see? You do not see. Here's what you don't see. You don't see an immediate, oh my God, the world is, is we're all dying. That comes from mainstream media. Bitcoin is dead, blah, blah, blah. But the people involved, the actual plebs, pleb boots on the ground, you don't hear it in their voices. They're still excited. They're still excited. Crashes all the way down to well below where they were at when they first went in. And then we start getting the drainage of the newbies coming, going, you know what, I'm out. But then you have all the voices of everybody who's seen this before. And then we go to the side. We, we just start, the price just starts tracking to the side. And it stays that way for a year, two years, three. And then we start looking at the next halving, right? This is a pattern that repeats. And I'm not really telling you that all is well, because this is kind of the first time that Bitcoin's been in a macro environment that looks like this. Last, you know, when, when Bitcoin was born, the Genesis block, block first, mind, first mind block of the functional Bitcoin chain as we know it was January in 2009, right? The 2008 stuff, it, it, it was all over but the crying at that point. And then we had, we had March 2020, which was a pretty, pretty big debacle, had a pretty big credit crunch, but it 
cleared up. It almost went away almost immediately insofar as how people were talking about it in the news and it was always being brought up. This time, <laughs> this time is different. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, this time is kind of different. The macro environment looks very different. And when I mean macro, I mean all the stuff going on outside of Bitcoin. What's happening with gold, what's happening with energy, what's happening with markets in general, what's happening with metal prices, what's happening with the general malaise, politics, all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. And that's the macro environment. What's going on in the rest of the actual real world that people have to exist in. All those pressures are combined. If you're a Bitcoiner, your pressure in a Bitcoin bear market is combined with all that general malaise. So I can open, I can literally open up Noster and I can t almost tell you what's going on in the markets by reading the first 10 notes in Noster. And I mean, the, honestly, the Bitcoin market, but in, in general, I can get the feel of some other stuff too. But first and foremost, I can get a feel of the price of Bitcoin. I can tell if it's gone up. I can tell if it's still sideways and I can tell if it's gone down like this morning. It took me three or four notes to figure out that something had happened with the Bitcoin price. <laughs> uh, but don't let it, don't let it ruin your day because you still have to live that day. Right, you still have to go out there. You still have to do stuff. You just can't let it guide your path. It's not a. It's not a good. It's not a good look. It's not a good feel. It's not a good way to live. So, what is a good way to live? Well, you can uh, spend some time in the San Juan Mountains at the house we know as Aspenwood, up there at Lake Viacito. It's about two miles away. That's total walking distance. Total bike ride di distance from away from a really in very good sized lake. The house is three bedrooms. It's 250 a night. It's honestly, if you've got a family of four or five and you try to go get two hotel rooms for the week down in Durango, you're going to actually pay more because it's like 180 bucks a night for a hotel room <laughs> down in Durango. And if you need two rooms, you're talking about what, 360? <laughs> That's a lot of money to pay for a night, okay? So you can automatically, if you've got a family of four or five, you can automatically get a little bit better deal by just renting a house. And we've got one. And it's out in the middle of the pristine San Juan Mountains. And its backyard is the Wimanooch Wilderness, which is managed different than a national forest. It's beautiful. Highly recommended, not just because I'm part owner of that house, and it's not a timeshare either. The other partners of the house are all family members, right? <laughs> That's the way that that works. It's not a, it's not a, a cheesy timeshare. We've owned this house since 1985 or 86 or something like that, and we've held it in the family ever since, just because it's that important to us, and it's important to share that. So here's what other people have said when they stay at the house. We had a wonderful stay. This is a charming home with a great quiet location. It's very clean and well-stocked. We would love to stay again. Another one says, beautiful, well-stocked cabin. Great time with family. Another one, we enjoyed the casual, well-equipped cabin. It's just across the street from Blue Spruce RV Park, where many other members of our extended family were staying. There was plenty of room to spread out and enjoy the week. 
Another one, my family just loves staying in your cabin again this 4th of July. Your cabin is very well appointed and provided everything we needed for our stay. You were so gracious to allow us an early check-in. We would most definitely stay with you all again if you'll have us. Of course we will. (laughs) Thanks, bunches. And finally, my wife and I, along with our two dogs, yes, we are pet friendly, had a wonderful stay at the Aspenwood Cabin. The home had everything we could need for a comfortable stay and it was very clean. We also really enjoyed the location as it was just a short commute to the beautiful hiking trails, Vallecito Lake, and not too far from Durango. The property host was very kind and easy to communicate with. We highly recommend renting this home. These are just some of the many five-star reviews that this house has gotten. I'm telling you, all you gotta do is bring yourself, your family members, your clothes, and your food. You don't need to bring a pot, a pan, a single piece of silverware. We've got it all. Three bedrooms, sleeps eight, three full bathrooms. Three people can take a shower at the same time and not in a funky way. So I will include the v- <clears throat> VBR, it was a vacation rentals by owner, the VRBO link to the house in the show notes. I recommend it. Summer's coming up. We've got the first part of June open. Hunting, fishing, There's, it's all there. Hunting, you'll have to wait till the fall, though. All right, let's get into the news. And here we'll start out with this whole price drop thing. It was the UK's fault, is what we're going to be getting at here. Coindesk, Shara Malwa has it. Bitcoin and Ether slip as UK core CPI reaches the highest since 1992. Pausing to say, why would the UK CPI affect everything? Because it's like all the markets are all weird. The UK is not that big. If this was Germany, it'd be something else, whatever. Bitcoin slid under the $27,000 level during the Asia trading day, which led to a market-wide decline in major cryptocurrencies as traders in broader equity markets reacted to poor United Kingdom inflation figures. The hotter-than-expected UK core consumer price index came in at 6.8%, which is the highest since 1992 against an expected figure of only 6.2. This means gains in core prices, excluding food, energy, and tobacco accelerated by 6.8 last month from 6.2 in March. The figures are higher than expected for the third month in a row, dampening hopes of an economic recovery. As such, it is likely to add pressure on the Bank of England to keep raising interest rates in the coming months. In the past 24 hours, Bitcoin lost 2% to trade under the psychological resistance level of 27,000, reversing all gains from earlier this week. So that seems to be a general consensus of what happened when you woke up and you looked at whatever it is that you look at and it showed you a Bitcoin price and you were like, dude, what? Well, this, This this is sort of what's going on. And this shit will continue. This is the macro that I'm talking about. We're all in this Venn diagram that is the clown show. And when the clown show shits the bed, everything shits the bed. I honestly don't worry about it. <laughs> this, it's just, this is, I've seen it before millions of times. Speaking of millions, millions worth of Bitcoin and Tether used to pay Chinese companies involved in the fentanyl crisis, says Elliptic. Before I even read this, I think this is all bullshit. I think it's complete 100% bullshit. 
But this is in the news and it's being brought to you by Decrypt and Andre Bagansky. Let's find out what's going on with Chinese businesses selling the chemicals used to make fentanyl are accepting payment in Bitcoin and Tether. Oh my God, how shocking. According to an investigative research report published Tuesday by Elliptic, the blockchain analytics firm specializes in risk management and regulatory compliance. It said an overwhelming majority of pharmaceutical chemical companies it contracted in China that can ship precursor for fentanyl overseas accept cryptocurrencies as a form of payment. Elliptic found that most of the chemical suppliers it identified used accounts at the three specific exchanges based outside of China, which were unnamed in the report. Of course they were unnamed. This is a terrible report. I've looked through it. I can't find raw data in this report. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm just, I don't believe any of this crap. The analytics firm said it had notified the exchanges being used by China-based drug suppliers, highlighting hundreds of wallets that had received more than $27 million worth of crypto assets. Elliptic, of course, did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Fentanyl, yeah, we know what fentanyl is. Fentanyl overdoses are also the leading cause of death among Americans aged 18 to 45 years old, Elliptic noted. Yes, the fentanyl opo and opioid epidemic in general is in fact an epidemic. How convenient that they've been elliptic, the good people over at the analytics firm Elliptic have been able to link it to Bitcoin. Of course they did, of course they did. The analytics firm identified more than 80 China-based firms that offered to ship fentanyl precursors abroad in exchange for cryptocurrencies. One supplier told Elliptic that cryptocurrency was a popular payment method among its Mexico-based customers. They always use USDT or Bitcoin to pay. It's no problem. Elliptic was told by the supplier who referenced the stablecoin Tether by its ticker name. Elliptic's team of researchers encountered multiple suppliers that said they shipped fentanyl precursors and the drug itself to Mexico, where drug cartels can then traffic the drug into the United States. The analytics firm said it may be surprising to see China-based firms leveraging crypto exchange accounts. In 2019, China said it would begin restricting residents' access to international exchanges as part of the country's crypto crackdown. That same year, the White House released a report that linked fentanyl trafficking to cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Monero, the so-called privacy coin that's become popular on dark web marketplaces. The Trump administration's report claimed that cryptocurrencies are the predominant funding mechanism associated with fentanyl tracking or trafficking. Okay, so there's the narrative. There's your daily narrative. One more thing to combat. I looked at this report and scanned through it, trying to find the raw data that I expected to find in a report that has these kinds of conclusions. Nothing. There's nothing there. It's all, for me, this report, quote-unquote report, is just hearsay. Therefore, I wonder, have they been put up to this to further besmirch the name of freedom money? Because if freedom money is being used to poison our children, well, you know what the reaction is going to be, don't you? Don't you? It's all narrative. It's bullshit. It's bogus. Why on earth would you use Bitcoin and Tether, which is easily trackable, easily trackable, 
to do these kinds of things? Second of all, is it illegal for China to sell fentanyl precursors to Mexico? Because it's not. As far as I can tell, there's no restrictions on the precursor sale in international trade. Therefore, it is what? What did I say yesterday? It's a valid transaction. If Mexico is synthesizing fentanyl and then illegally shipping it to the United States through black market, underground markets, all that kind of stuff, then it's at the behest of the United States government, specifically the fucking State Department, to intervene and stop it. I don't see them lifting a finger to do anything about it. Meanwhile, fentanyl does, in fact, flow into this country like a river, and it is, in fact, killing a lot of people, specifically more young people than old people. We did the same thing, or, well, England at the time did the same thing to China in what was called the Opium Wars. They just made it so easy for the population of China to access a drug that would basically just either kill them or or zombie them out to the point that large sections of China's population was ineffectual. At turnabout's fair play. They're doing it to the United States this time. This is Opium Wars 2.0. There's no getting around it. I don't see the United States government lifting a finger to do anything about the flow of fentanyl across the southern border, and I don't expect them to. But I do expect them to waive this report. It'll be Senator Warren. She'll have this report in her right hand as she's talking to somebody at one yet one more hearing that doesn't do anything in Washington, D.C., and say, look at this report. Look what Bitcoin's doing to our country. We've got to stop it. This is the narrative. Be prepared be aware. Now, Neutron Pay and Pouch.ph partner to offer affordable remittances for Canada and Vietnam using Lightning. Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey. Neutron Pay, a digital payment platform based in Canada, has partnered with Pouch.ph to offer fast and affordable remittance services for Filipinos living in Canada and Vietnam. According to a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine, the partnership aims to provide a secure and cost-effective solution for Filipino expats who want to send money to their loved ones in the Philippines. By leveraging the Lightning Network, the partnership enables the conversion of Canadian dollars or Vietnamese dong into Bitcoin which is then converted into Philippine pesos and transferred directly to the recipient's bank or mobile money account. Albert Bu, the founder and CEO of NeutronPay, expressed his excitement about the collaboration, stating, Our integration with Bitcoin's Lightning Network is a major step forward in improving the lives of our customers, and we look forward to exploring new ways to innovate cross-border payments." The demand for remittances to the Philippines has been growing steadily with personal remittances reaching a record high of $36.1 billion in 2022, according to data from the Banco Central NG Filipinas. Canada Canada accounted for 3.6% of total remittances to the Philippines, highlighting the importance of providing efficient and cost-effective remittance service to the Filipino community in Canada. Ethan Rose, the CEO of Pouch, emphasized the significance of the partnership in empowering overseas Filipino workers 
to easily send money back home. He stated, quote, working with Neutron Pay is consistent with our endeavor to empower OFWs, overseas Filipino workers, to easily send money to their families and loved ones, end quote. <clears throat> the Neutron Pay app is currently available exclusively on Canadian and Vietnamese app stores, while the pouch.ph app can be downloaded from the Google Play Store and Apple Store. This collaboration between Neutron Pay and pouch.ph brings lightning fast remittance services to Filipinos in Canada, as well as Vietnam, offering a convenient and cost-effective way to support their families and loved ones back home in the Philippines. So uh, it just seems kind of unlikely that they're like Canada and Viet Vietnamese are able to send uh, remittances back. I mean, I just didn't think that I didn't, I wouldn't have thought that Canada would be a, a landing place for Filipino expats. Vietnam, I could definitely see that, but Canada, I, I don't know. I didn't see that coming. Doesn't matter. Everybody gets to use lightning. Lightning fixes a lot of stuff. Now, Bitfinex partnership pushes crypto adoption in Latin America. I'm telling you, Keep your eyes on Latin America and then Africa. Africa is important, yes. I think Latin America is going to be where everything really explodes. Cointelegraph, Savannah Fortis. The digital asset platform Bitfinex announced a new partnership with a local exchange in Latin America as part of a larger effort to push for wider adoption in the region. On May the 24th, that's today, Bitfinex revealed a new investment in one of Chile's, or Chile, or Chile, leading cryptocurrency exchange Orion X. According to the announcement, the partnership between the two digital asset companies aims to support local education programs along with financial freedom and inclusive efforts. This comes just over a month after Bitfinex Securities El Salvador was granted an operating license in El Salvador by the National Digital Asset Commission to issue and trade secondary assets via a platform compliant with local regulations. The exchange also recently sponsored a three-week boot camp in Paraguay for women to learn basic coding skills. Latin America has been a growing market in the crypto scene over the last year and continues to attract attention from outside investors. According to the Chainalysis Global Adoption Index for 2022, Latin America con constituted 9.1% of the global crypto value received in 2022. The region came in seventh for the largest cryptocurrency market. The same chain analysis report also highlighted that Latin America is home to five of the top 30 countries in the index, which includes Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, Ecuador, and Mexico. Back in March, Coinbase announced service expansion in Brazil via partnerships with local services, including round-the-clock customer support in Portuguese and easier onboarding processes. Last month in Argentina, the local securities regulator approved a Bitcoin futures index, which is reportedly a first in all of Latin America. Also in Argentina, a new partnership on May the 19th between the stablecoin issuer Tether and on and off-ramp platform Krypton Market will allow support for USDT transactions at Argentina's central market. Do not sleep on Latin America. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. These guys have been so suppressed. Every country in Latin America, save possibly Mexico, even though they're not exactly top tier, but whatever. They've been financially repressed for decades and decades and decades. The United States federal government really didn't help that. In fact, we kind of caused a lot of it. 
we've, I mean, honestly, it seems fairly clear that we were involved directly as well as indirectly in several coups, several changes of government, several puppet dictators being installed and deinstalled over these decades. And it hasn't done anything but make Latin America one of the poorest places on earth from the north part of Antarctica all the way up to Mexico. And these guys are due for a break. If Bitcoin does that for them, then all of a sudden, Central America and South America turn into beautiful, beautiful places like they used to be before World War II. Just saying. Now, I hate to bring this one to you, but we've got internal fighting going on in Bitcoin mining. BTC Casey Bitcoin Magazine, upstream data files a lawsuit against Crusoe Energy Systems for their Bitcoin mining operations. Canadian Bitcoin mining operation upstream data has filed a patent infringement lawsuit against Delaware Limited Liability Company, Crusoe Energy Systems, LLC, in the United States District Court for the District of Colorado. The lawsuit alleges that Crusoe has infringed on Upstream's patent related to Bitcoin mining technology used to convert standard natural gas into Bitcoin. According to the complaint, Upstream holds the patent for a system that powers a blockchain mine at remote oil well sites using stranded gas to generate electricity for cryptocurrency mining. According to the filing, the company has deployed over 350 Bitcoin mining systems across the United States and Canada addressing the issue of stranded gas venting and flaring. Crusoe, which manufactures and operates cryptocurrency mining systems connected to stranded natural gas sources, is accused of competing with Upstream by selling and operating similar systems. The complaint claims that Crusoe's digital flare mitigation systems infringe on Upstream's patented technology. The lawsuit further alleges that Crusoe was aware of Upstream's patented technology during the development of its own products. The lawsuit filing highlights instances where Crusoe identified Upstream as a competitor in blog posts and claims made in patent applications. The lawsuit seeks damages and injunctive relief against Crusoe for patent infringement. Upstream argues that Crusoe's actions have caused harm to its business by infringing on its patent rights and creating unfair competition in the market. The case will be heard in the U.S. District Court for the District of Colorado, where Crusoe has regular and established places of business according to the filing. Upstream asserts in the lawsuit that the court has jurisdiction over the case. Yeah, they probably do because it is in Colorado. That doesn't matter. I think this is frivolous. I like Upstream and I like Crusoe, but this is not the frickin' time to be pulling these kinds of, of antics. Really? Lawsuits? This, you, neither one of these companies have even come close, even, not even anywhere close to capturing all the stranded natural gas, vented natural gas, and all the rest of the natural gas sources that you can shake a stick at that basically end up being wasted and converting them into Bitcoin via Bitcoin mining to shake a stick at. There's so many stranded natural gas wells out there. If it was a situation where Crusoe was like, took the last, I don't know, 150 natural gas sites 
and there was just no more natural gas sites, then I could see a lawsuit. I don't see any reason to engage in this frivolity at this time. This is not the time for this bullshit. It is not the time for this. It is not the time for this. It's not the time for us to be infighting. They're both Bitcoin miners. That means we got Bitcoiners pitted against Bitcoiners in the district court of freaking Colorado. I absolutely hate this. I don't think it's good for the mining industry. I don't think it's good for the names of Crusoe or Upstream. I don't think it's good for the names of the people behind those companies. I think it all makes everybody look petty and cheap. And I just don't want to see it. But it's going to happen. And this is where the fiat mindset comes back into play. You can, we can talk all day long about how we're building the future and it's not going to include fiat. How are we going to do that? If we keep bringing the fiat legacy systems into play, protecting our patents. I mean, I, I get IP, I get intellectual property. I understand that. Is this really the way to go? Or would it have been better for Upstream to reach out to Crusoe and say, look, we think you're infringing on our patents. Let's sit down and eat cheeseburgers and steaks and maybe some french fries over 50 glasses of beer between our two groups. Let's have a good time and let's figure out a way that we can work together to become stronger instead of immediately dragging a United States federal district court into it. Did they even try? See, that's the thing. I don't know. This story doesn't say anything about any preliminary outreaching by upstream to Crusoe to say, hey, we got to talk about this. If they didn't, then shame on upstream. This is, we've got to start doing things differently. We have to start doing things differently. We have to figure out ways to trust each other better. Instead of our first action being to call up a judge and say, Yana, I was framed. It should be, let's call up the competitor and say, how can we work this out? And really, maybe, maybe a really good project would have been able to fall out of that meeting. Was the meeting even tried? Was a phone call even made? I wish BTCKC had gone into, in, into the preliminaries on that, but he didn't. And now we've got to deal with Dubai and because they're going to build the world's first Bitcoin tower. Ah, the hype cycle. Alex Laurie, send us to the moon. Bitcoinnews.com. Recently, an ambitious announcement was made by a developer based in Dubai, revealing plans to build the very first Bitcoin tower. This project aims to highlight the significance of Bitcoin and is scheduled to be unveiled during the upcoming COP28 gathering in Dubai on May the 24th. Again, that is today. According to the report by EIN Presswire, on May the 21st, the hotel chain designed in the likeness of Bitcoin is anticipated to go beyond incorporating state-of-the-art technologies like blockchain and artificial intelligence. It is also set to prioritize material sustainability and achieve zero CO2 emissions. This is just pure bullshit. 
in search of inspiration for the virtual portrayal of the Bitcoin Tower, Leggiero approached the renowned architect Simone Michelli. With a track record of over three decades and having successfully executed numerous global projects, Michelli brings a unique viewpoint to the endeavor, aiming to design virtual spaces that unlock unique experiences. The forthcoming Bitcoin Tower is set to become a 40-story skyscraper serving as a testament to Dubai's homage to Bitcoin and embodying the principles of its enigmatic creator, Satoshi Nakamoto. This is all bullshit. Legiero envisions this tower as a groundbreaking real estate revolution, effectively bridging the divide between digital and physical assets. As a real estate developer and investor operating in Italy, London, and Dubai, Legiero emphasizes that this undertaking will serve as a momentous starting point for those who aspire to be part of this revolution. With its forward-looking perspective, Dubai endeavors to establish itself as a global center for Bitcoin innovation, pushing the boundaries of conventional real estate in the process. Oh, for God's sakes. Yeah, I read that to you because this is the hype. This is where hype comes from. Are you really going to design a building that looks like a Bitcoin? I mean, is, is, is it going to be in like the orange Bitcoin symbol? Please don't, please don't, please don't. D designing buildings after any kind of logo is just a bad idea. I mean, even Nike doesn't have a building that's shaped like the little swoosh thing, at least as far as I know. And if they did, don't do it. It's just a bad idea altogether. If it's not, then this is just paying lip service to a bunch of Bitcoiners who have a tendency to be what? What do they call it? Single issue activists or single issue voters or single issue pick your descriptor. We have a tendency to be single issue and it's almost as if we are an unending well of energy to draw from by all these people who couldn't give a shit less about Bitcoin itself. I'm looking at Robert Kennedy Jr. right now. I don't believe a word he says about his love and interest and him falling down the rabbit hole about Bitcoin. I don't buy any of it. All I see is another politician who's drawing from this endless well of energy and our energy's running thin right now because why? We're at the end of that bear market and we don't know what's gonna happen. We can say, oh, well, it's gonna do the exact same thing it did last year. Well, yeah, maybe, probably, but that's not, I, that's not 100% guaranteed. And I just, I'm tired of these people drawing from the well of endless energy that is the hope and optimism of Bitcoiners for a better future. It's, it's lecherous. It's like getting, it's like leeches all over you and they just suck your blood until you're just like, oh my God, I just can't go on. But we have to go on. Leeches aside, hype aside, Bullshit narratives about fentanyl aside, TikTok, next block, let's run the numbers. West Texas Intermediate starts the day 1.33% to the upside, $73.88. Brent North Sea up 1.15% to $77.69. Natural gas up. Two and a half to two dollars and thirty-eight cents a thousand, and gasoline is up almost a full point to two dollars and sixty-eight cents a gallon. Every single shiny metal rock is not having a good day. 
Gold down 0.77% to 1955 and 30 cents. Silver is down almost two points to $23.16. Platinum is down 2.8. Copper is down 2.63. Palladium is down 3.54. Wheat is the biggest loser. Of the, no, cotton's the biggest loser of the day. 3.06% to the downside. Biggest winner is corn, 1.56% to the upside. I got live cattle up just over a point. Lean hogs are down 0.12% and feeder cattle are up almost a half. Indices for the equities are all in the red. Dow is down a point. S&P is down over a point. NASDAQ is down 1.08. And the S&P mini is down one and a quarter. Why? Because the UK inflation numbers came in. Anything that even looks risky at this point is questionable as to whether it's going to be bought, sold, or held. It's a question across all of them. All right. And, and equities, no freaking different. They're no different whatsoever. So take that, do with it what you need to do. We've got a Bitcoin price of $26,319. That is well off of three points from yesterday when I went to sleep. 431,000 BTC changed hands in the last 24 hours. 1.09 BTC is the average transaction value and $14.85 is the median transaction value and block times are very high. This is not what I wanted to see, but it is what it is. 11 minutes and five seconds, 0.46 BTC is the block reward on a, for the fee. And 60.62 BTC have been taken overall in fees in the last 24 hours. That's still good, guys. 3.85% hash rate decrease in the last 24 hours gives us 366.12 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator, Dogecoin, is off by 0.3 United States pennies down to 7 United States pennies. We got a $507.4 billion market cap that is now just 3.82% of gold's market cap. There are 19,382,293.21 BTC in circulation. 5,336 and a half of those are in the Lightning Network, now valued at $139.7 million. 71,552 payment channels that we can see, and 63.3% of the Lightning Network is being run over Tor. Looks like we have a negative 0.5% estimated difficulty change coming on May the 31st. As you might imagine, the blo- the mempool is, or mem- mempools around the world are packed and stacked. It looks like we have well over 230 blocks carrying 321,000 transactions waiting to clear. 45 Satoshis per V-byte is going to be your low priority transaction High priority transaction is going to cost you 52 Satoshis per V-byte. Let's see what the hash rate for mempool is saying. See, the hash rate over here at mempool.space is saying 329.3 exahashes per second. So it depends on, depends on what you're looking at, honestly. there's That's just another data point for you. And I am number nine on the fountain charts. Thank you again for all the people that are are boosting the show. Like Fatoshi with 6102 says another day, another mind-blowing concept. And then he gives me a YouTube link. It's a chat with a book. (laughs) Vector embedding of semantic meaning. You can do fucking arithmetic on concepts. I'm not going to lie. I'm freaking out. 
Yeah, I haven't watched the YouTube video. I've watched the first, I think I watched the first couple of minutes and then I'd, something happened and I had to go do something. I haven't gotten back to it yet today. But the part that I did catch, yeah, this is kind of mind-blowing. And I haven't even seen the the next 10 minutes of it. But essentially what's going on is that there's this dude who's loaded a book, like I think it's a data science book, into ChatGPT. And he's querying ChatGPT questions and ChatGPT ChatGPT is going into this book by itself and extracting information, which shouldn't surprise anybody, but it's still, we're still in this phase in AI where everything looks like it's just hitting you in the face and you just can't get a breath. Again, if you're sleeping on artificial intelligence, you're in danger. It doesn't mean that if you're not sleeping on artificial intelligence that you're not in danger. You're just less likely to be in danger. How less likely? Nobody knows, my friend. Nobody knows. But I'll tell you this. I would rather be less likely to be in danger than 100% in danger. Figure it out. Take the time. Explore the tools. I guarantee you it'll be worth it at least you'll understand what the hell you're dealing with, right? Now, God's death with 3737 says, thank you again, sir. Good info as usual. Validate. Agreed. Bitcoin with 100. Satoshi says, heck yeah. Bitcoin is the way, and that's going to be the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. A huge thank you to all the people out there that supported my son in his first outing on Noster. I think the tally right now is 77,000 Satoshis. No, I'm serious, man. You guys flooded him. And he was, he, he did exactly what I thought was going to happen. He looked at, he looked at, uh, get Albie like right before he went to school and was freaking out because he had like, like 7,000 Satoshis or something like that. And he was like, he wasn't even looking at how much it converted into the USD, which hell yeah. And then he goes to school and then I pick him up and he comes back home and he's like, uh, uh, dad. Yeah. Like, yeah. And he's like, look, and I look at his get Albie wallet and it's got like 60,000 Satoshis in it. By the end of the night, it was like 78,000 Satoshis in his wallet. And this morning, I didn't even see what he had done, but this morning I woke up and he's created like the Herald report because that's his handle, H-E-R-A-L-D, Herald, like the Herald of Bitcoin or the Herald of Good Tidings, right? No, no, no. It, but I mean, he's young. You're going to have to give him a break. This, is, this isn't like, you know, an 18-year-old kid who is able to write, you know, all that well. But it's the, it's the chutzpah. I mean, the, 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 he wrote this thing and he's like going, this is the topic for today. And I'm like, holy crap. And you guys boosted that. And you, I mean, you guys like spread it out there. It was, it's amazing to see. I'm still kind of, it's still blowing my mind. 
Uh, we've got some work to do on his bio and, and get him a PFP and all that kind of stuff. But thank you so much for supporting my son and being so nice to him uh, because he really, he's really jazzed about this. And I, who can blame him? I mean, who isn't jazzed about Noster except possibly regulators? Yeah, we're going to do it. Regulators should block firms from combining crypto functions, says the IOSCO decrypts Tim Hackey. The International Organization of Securities Commission, the IOSCO, today released a report outlining policy recommendations for global crypto recommendations as part of the public consultation process. Members of the public can view the full report here, and they give a link, and have until July the 31st to send in comments and feedback by email. The IOSCO specifically advised regulators to prohibit crypto companies from combining certain functions in a single legal entity or group of affiliated entities, such as prohibiting crypto companies from also running exchanges, trading firms, and custody businesses under the same legal entity. The IOSCO is a global policy forum made up of regulators that collectively oversee 95% of the world's securities market across 130 jurisdictions. Last year, the organization established a FinTech Task Force, or the FTF, to develop its crypto policy recommendations. This is another FATF, is what this is, in case you're wondering. The 18 new recommendations cover six areas, including conflicts of interest stemming from the vertical integration of activities and functions, cross-border risks, and regulatory cooperation, as well as a category for market manipulation, insider trading, and fraud. Quote, regulation of crypto activities across jurisdictions is overdue, Ernst & Young, E-M-E-I-A, lead, shared with Decrypt. Quote, a global baseline of guardrails is a positive step forward, but it is also an ambitious undertaking, and it remains to be seen just how effective it can be in practice. The IOSCO's recommendation around conflicts of interest and vertical come in the wake of the industry's largest collapse in the now bankrupt crypto exchange FTX. At its height, it was the third largest crypto exchange behind Binance and Coinbase, and it collapsed during a bank run after Binance CEO Shang Peng Zhao announced his exchange would liquidate its position in FTT which is FTX's native token. The bank run exposed a shortfall in liquidity as a result of the fact that FTX had commingled customer funds and sent them to its sister company, Alameda Research, after the latter had impairment on a few bad trades. Yeah, okay, so we have another FATF in the mix who's voicing their concerns into the crypto industry, and this will never end, which is why there's, that, there's this whole thing about but if we can only get the regulators on board and they regulate this stuff, then everybody's going to be happy. Nobody's going to be happy. It's just, this is just not the way this works. <clears throat> regulators are going to have to readjust how they rethink the world given the advent of Bitcoin. Us trying to fit Bitcoin into the regulatory environment won't work. Because we don't know what Bitcoin is yet. And we won't know what it is for decades to come. I will be feeding worms in the ground long before this shit settles down into a place where somebody can wrap their mind around what Bitcoin is to the point that they can write a book under 400 pages about it and be technically correct. 
we have no conception of what this is. Therefore, begging regulators to come online is a fool's game. There's, this is just going to be war. Regulators are going to try to regulate. Bitcoin is going to, re, is going to re-regulate itself around those regulators. And the cat, cat and mouse chase will just continue on and on and on. So whenever you hear somebody saying regulations will fix this, no, it won't. And then go on to the next story like this one. IMF optimism in Central African Republic, despite Bitcoin adoption. Oh, joy. Amanka Nawaachka is writing this one for Cointelegraph. The Central African Republic, or CAR, has received optimism from the International Monetary Fund one year since it's adopted Bitcoin. The IMF's positive outlooks reflects the country's economic prospects and the impact of embracing the leading cryptocurrency. The IMF published a report expressing a more positive view of the country's economic prospects in 2023. The report indicates a projected rebound of real gross domestic project growth to 2.2% attributed to factors such as the base effect and policy adjustments leading to enhanced fuel supply. The IMF also anticipates an average inflation rate of 6.3% 6.3% for 2023. That's pretty much in, that's actually less than UK's inflation rate for this month. According to the IMF document, the projected public debt of the car is expected to remain sustainable. However, the report highlights the presence of significant liquidity risks as indicated by relevant debt indicators. These risks arise from potential shortfalls in donor support and challenges in accessing domestic and regional markets. The car made history by becoming the second country in the world after El Salvador to adopt Bitcoin as a legal tender, despite being one of the poorest nations in the world. The car is harnessing the potential of Bitcoin to reshape its financial infrastructure and boost its economic prospects. Following the approval of Bitcoin as legal tender in the car, the government wasted no time in laying the groundwork for digital currency integration. CAR President Faustine Archange Taudera revealed the initiative called Sango Project, making the country's entry into the world of cryptocurrencies. In December of 2022, the car announced a delay in the listing of Sango coin on crypto exchanges. The decision was attributed to prevailing market conditions and marketing considerations. On March the 31st, the organization behind Sango coin announced further delays just for a few weeks, citing legal and regulatory obstacles. In January of 2023, the Sango project revealed that a government task force is actively working on legal amendments to enable the smooth integration of the cryptocurrency. So uh, yet another politician who used the endless supply of hope and optimism as fuel to fund their shitcoin project. Not excited about the Central African Republics in regard to this. However, the people of the Central African Republic continue to do me proud. Why? Because they're actually adopting Bitcoin. IMF has got, they got, there's like nothing there. I think the only reason they have a positive report is because of Sango coin and this ridiculous attempt to do what all these other places have tried to do, like Miami with Miami coin. It's all bullshit. And it's the same, it's the same picture. It's like, yeah, corporate needs you to find the difference between these two pictures. And chick says that's the same picture. It's politician says they love Bitcoin. 
And then they demonstrate their love for Bitcoin by buying some Bitcoin or something like that. And then all of a sudden it's shitcoin. It's the same, it's the same thing over and over and over again. Don't trust these people. You don't trust the politicians. Trust the people. The boots on the ground people will tell you what the market is actually doing and where it might be going. That's what I watch. That's the only thing that I care about. Except when Bitcoin meets artificial intelligence, woke madness or awakened sanity. Bitcoin Magazine, Alexander Svetsky. Haven't read one from him in quite a while. I know, I know. Your Twitter feed has probably been drowning in threads and tips from AI bros who've discovered 99 ways for you to save 99 hours every week using ChatGPT or some other list of 99 AI apps. I'm sick of it too, trust me. Especially considering that most of these AI experts were Web3 experts last year, NFT experts the year before, and DeFi or crypto experts before that. Trend hopping at its finest. That's not to say there's no value to be found here. Somewhere beneath or behind the almost deafening noise coming from these influencers, there is a possible paradigm shift in a genuine set of use cases. We've seen some already, of course. You can chat with these models to reason out a problem. You can summarize thoughts and ideas, find correlations between ideas, search for some information better than you could with Google, and of course, build more linguistically functional chatbots. Perhaps the best use case so far are the dev assistant tools, but I get the sense that we've not seen that Uber moment yet. There is also somewhere beneath and behind all the scary talk of artificial general intelligence and the idiocy being proposed by bureaucrats and would-be regulators a more human-centric, human-enhancing use of these tools. The idea of a language user interface as the next step from the thumb tapping we've become used to over the past decade is fascinating. And what we should be thinking about is how to make these tools new bicycles for the mind. As Steve Jobs said about computers, it's very important that we push back against doomer narratives that lean the world toward approved AI in order to avoid such tools becoming yet another appendage for the state. Energy is still the currency of the universe. That's not changing and will never change. At the risk of sounding like too much of a hippie, it's all energy. People often forget that. And this recent AI hype cycle is a clear example. Most people you talk with, even otherwise smart people, think that AI is the biggest thing happening in the world today and that it's mankind's most important innovation. I think they're wrong in a big way. They're missing something more foundational. AI is a tool. When applied well, it's a very effective tool, but however effective a tool it may be, it needs energy to run. Yes, it can and will enhance how we use and allocate energy, but ultimately it is an amplifier, a tool, an engine, so to speak. Well, what is Bitcoin? Well, Bitcoin is like energy. Before the sailor haters out there screech about it not being literally accurate, I know it's a metaphor and in my opinion, a useful one. It's useful because in the same way we can essentially use energy to measure everything else, money is a measure that helps us implicitly account for energy, time, and material resources. If we understand that Bitcoin on a long enough time scale becomes money, then here's the truth that AI people are missing. Bitcoin benefits from all of it because Bitcoin is the foundation. 
Everything that happens, every technology, every tool, every innovation enlarges the total Bitcoin pie. So don't get it twisted. AI is big, but Bitcoin remains king. Of course, in terms of financial returns, VC money and the like, AI companies will probably outpace both Bitcoin returns in the short term and also Bitcoin company returns in the short term. But that's to be expected in a fiat world where hype prevails over sanity and we experience abnormal cycliality, if that's even a word. I can't pronounce it if it is. AI is also undergoing a sort of renaissance, so there's a lot of buzz. This will, in time, stabilize, and as Bitcoin becomes the unit of account, lo and behold, all of the real value generated from AI will ultimately accrue to Bitcoin and Bitcoin holders. So don't stress if you're feeling FOMO on AI. Don't worry about changing your entire life around because some ex-crypto-turned-AI expert guy wrote a viral tweet telling you about some new generative AI tool that will obsolete some and make others mega-rich. Slow and steady continues to win the race. Bitcoin continues to be king. But AI is an amplifier. The second thing that we need to realize is this. AI is like the computer or any other technology for that matter. It's an engine, an amplifier. It will amplify madness, stupidity, and lies, or it will amplify soundness, sanity, and truth. It can be used as a tool of control or stupefaction, or it can be used as a tool for liberating oneself from the minutiae and for enhancing one's intelligence. The direction we wind up ultimately depends on you. Which tools are you using? Which do you demand? Which are you building? Which are you supporting? Companies like Snapchat are building AI tools to infect your mind with nonsense. OpenAI is busy guard railing ChatGPT to such a degree that it spends more time apologizing and moralizing than it does answering, you know, actual questions. Bard, likewise, regurgitating the same kind of garbage, likely because it's been neutered by bias removal tools and toxicity filters. These stupidities only serve to constrain people's accepted thinking and speech, which results in a homogenization of thought. This can have two effects. In the worst case, so-called safety concerns leaves, leads to approved AI which ultimately leads to an internet that is accessed through chat filters with approved speech conditions. The alternative is if we push back and build alternatives. Their ignorance becomes our opportunity. While they focus on wokeness, we can build utility and authenticity, which brings me to my final point. We're in a global AI arms race. The race is between two versions of the world. One, we have woke generalist AIs that everyone is forced to use because newly formed regulatory bodies deem them safe. See this ridiculously moronic work being done by Gary Marcus to set up such a global committee. On the other hand, we have a future of distributed, more sovereign tools that people can choose from that the user evaluates on merits that they deem important. I know which future I want to see, and instead of sitting on the sidelines complaining, I'm working toward building alternative or parallel solutions. In a future article, I'll lay out what myself and a few really talented individuals have been working on, a beautiful marriage of Bitcoin as the focal point and AI as the engine. In the meantime, know this. The battle lines have been drawn. It's iris scanning central bank digital currencies like WorldCoin on one end, conveniently run by the same leadership as OpenAI, versus Bitcoin and smaller, more accurate, specialized in open source language models 
on the other. We all have to make a choice about the kind of world we want to live in, woke madness or awakened sanity. Mainstream and generalized or local and specialized. In my next piece, I will present a potential solution, or at least a way forward. Until then, think deeply about what I have said. Don't get flustered by all the hype. Remain steady in your conviction. Remain vigilant with the narratives being pushed and be ready for the next battle because it's coming. Yep. There's nothing in here that I don't agree with, honestly. This is sort of where I'm at on this. The only thing that's different from what Alex says that, that I'm thinking about is using the, the word engine as uh, something for AI, but it is. It's, it's an engine. And I think what we're going to see next is, you know, personal management tools like Obsidian. Um, and I think what's the other one? Rome is, is another popular personal knowledge management system. Uh, it's where you, if you don't know, go get Obsidian. It's free and start using it. I highly recommend it, man. That's where I, I, I put all my show notes now and I can, e- it makes everything that I do easily searchable. It's markdown language. It's simple to learn. It's, but it's, I mean, it's simple to learn the basics, but again, like Bitcoin, you have no idea what it's going to become because it depends on what you put into it, but you make like small notes or longer writings and it just ends up being able to give you a a platform to be able to cross connect these ideas. Well, what if you've got something like, like I've got well over 750 hours of vocal content. Right, I can train an AI over all of the news stories that I've read over the past four years. If that's in something like Obsidian, and Obsidian has a, an AI tool like ChatGPT that can go through and, or not ChatGPT, there's several different AI tools to use. But if I can pull I mean, if I could use an AI engine just to give me transcripts without me paying a third party and I could do it myself, well, all of a sudden, now I've got cross-indexing. Holy shit. What, at what point would I, be able to, would I be able to pull out patterns of news stories over the last four years? What's been written about? What were the dates? Dude, that's an engine. That's something that, as long as I've captured what it is that I've created, the content that I've produced, if I, and I have captured it, right? I've got backups of all this stuff. If, if SoundCloud decides that I said something that they just gets their panties in a little wad and they decide to delete me off their platform, I've got every single thing, word that I've ever uttered backed up on disk, right? So what happens at that point? AI becomes an engine, but what does the engine drive, right? What's the fuel that the engine uses? In this case, it's my content. What does it drive? Pattern recognition, new ideas. This is not something to be sneered at. AI isn't something to be loathed out of the box. It doesn't mean that I'm going to make the statement that it's going to make us better, smarter, faster, more moral or more ethical, that's always the decision of the human being at hand. But dude, I, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to see if I can keep my heart and my mind in good places, in good moods, and 
get rid of the negative energy that always seems to be trying to invade my consciousness, then I can see so many good things coming out of stuff like this. And it's just going to get better. But we need to be vigilant. Because just like regulatory regimes and begging for regulation in Bitcoin doesn't work, it's not going to work with AI either. And it probably won't work with AI even faster than it doesn't work with Bitcoin because it, at least in the United States, we have the notion of the First Amendment, which means I'm free to think and I can say what I want, usually as a product of what it is that I was free to think. I don't know, man. I think it's. I think we can turn this into something very good and it won't have to be very bad. We just don't know what it looks like. And we're always scared of what it is that we can't see. And you can't see this until it happens. Project takes off with $31.6 million in alleged exit scam. Oh yeah, we saw this coming. It doesn't matter what the project is. This is all bullshit. Uh, Cointelegraph, Ezra Reguera, <laughs> a crypto project called FinTalk. Oh, for God's sake which claimed to be backed by investment banking firms Morgan Stanley, seems to have taken off with almost $32 million of its users' funds, according to on-chain detective Zach XBT. In a thread, the crypto sleuth showed a diagram that detailed the movement of the funds. The on-chain detective alleged that the project had likely conducted an exit scam. The fund promised a 1% daily interest rate for investments for users. However, users on the platform have started to report that they are now unable to withdraw their funds from FinTalk. Oh, who would have guessed? In addition to this, while the project claims to be owned by Morgan Stanley, the investment banking company denied any ties with the project through a statement. The firm said that FinTalk used its trademarks without any authorization and that they do not assume any responsibility for transactions with the company. The Monetary Authority of Singapore also issued an alert against FinTalk earlier in May. According to the MAS, the company may have been wrongly perceived as being licensed or in any other way authorized, authorized or regulated by MAS. <laughs> Think. Apart from these, reports back in March suggest that the image used for the CEO of the company called Bobby Lambert actually belongs to a paid actor whose real name is Mike Provenzano. In other news, the United States Federal Bureau of Investigation has issued a warning regarding a recent surge in fraudulent crypto job advertisements. On May the 23rd, the FBI advised U.S. citizens and individuals residing or traveling abroad to remain cautious, as these deceptive ads are often associated with labor trafficking. In April, the crypto space experienced a continued surge in crypto exploits, exit scams, and flash loan attacks. According to the blockchain security firm CertiK, over $103 million in funds was stolen from various crypto projects and investors in the month. $103 million in one single month. Wish I could get that many people listening to my podcast every single month. That'd be freaking badass. And I won't exit scam you, but that is going to do it for the morning roundup. Hump day, dad says, jokes day, the son says, I'm tired. I tell him, at least you're not a bicycle, then you'll be too tired. Get it? Yep.
AI, don't sleep on it. It'll run your ass over. It will. It'll run your ass over. And I feel like I'm behind. I'm not FOMOing. I don't have fear of missing out. That's not it. Fear of not understanding it well enough before that son of a bitch comes over the hill barreling straight down at me. That's that's the fear. I don't know what kind of acronym you'd give that, but you can't you can't let this one go. You can't let this one go just like you are telling people that you can't sleep on Bitcoin. If you're one of the people that are telling other people, especially no coiners, that you just can't sleep on Bitcoin, but you're burying your head in the sand on AI, dude, you're going to get lunched and Bitcoin is not going to save your ass. Not unless you're, you know, got a shit ton of it and you can just go be a hermit, you know, and, and, you know, and you don't have needs like, you know, I don't know, private islands and 12 houses and five Lambos. If you have that need, you're, you're, yeah, it's gonna, it's definitely gonna suck. But I'm just saying it's coming and there's nothing you can do about it. Wishing it away won't work. Begging for regulators to regulate it won't work. Because even if they do, what are they going to regulate? They're going to regulate who they can regulate. Can they regulate the model that I that I put it load in, free and open source software that I load in on my machine and train it with my training materials? They got nothing to do with that. They won't be able to stop it. It's You can close down GitHub and we'd still have a copy of Bitcoin Core because why? Novak from CoinKite keeps a copy of that thing. He's He's been backing that shit up forever. I think Binance even backs it up. I know BitMEX, while they were still in operation, BitMEX Research was backing it up. There's backups of backups of backups everywhere for Bitcoin Core. You don't think that shit isn't going to happen for Linux and already isn't happening for Linux? If you think that that's not going to happen for AI and AI versions, free and open source software versions, you're wrong. And it's going to be used. Now, what will happen when eventual regulation does come down the pipe for the big boys? Because it will. And they will do that whole regulatory moat thing. The, you'll know who, who is friends with Congress in the AI industry by who gets to operate and who does not. And those are the people that you will want to stay as far away from their products and services as you possibly can because they're harvesting you as cattle. The federal governments of all nations of the world now view its citizens as cattle. Their friends also view you as cattle. Don't let that shit occur. You know, one of the next things up for me, I got to figure out a way to train my own. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm, I've got to at least try. At least just the, just the function of trying will do me a lot better than sitting around the beach, sticking my head in the sand on it. I don't want that to be you either. And as far as, um, oh God, there was something else that I wanted to cover. Hold on for a second. Let me go back to my, and I'm now I'm looking at Obsidian. Maybe I should say a few words about that. I haven't talked about Obsidian in quite a while in personal man, knowledge management systems. If you have not used Obsidian, it's free. And not only is it free, I think it's obsidian.md. MD stands for markdown, but go to the website obsidian.md or just Google it or whatever it is that you do. It's free. 
these this was built during the pandemic, except it's built very, very well. There is also a a whole lot of people that are doing YouTube videos on Obsidian specifically, and then more generally in this this notion of personal knowledge management. I highly recommend you don't let it run over you as well, because even though that nobody's talking about personal knowledge management in the news, it is a thing. It, it, it been a thing since the freaking fifties when a guy named Zettelkasten was writing, you know, like notes on, on index cards. And he had a method of indexing those cards against each other so that he could come up with new ideas for writing books. And he ended up writing like 200 books because of his method of personal knowledge management. And now it's been digitized. You add AI into that engine. You add the AI engine into the personal knowledge, uh, personal knowledge management engine. You've got, you've got a hell of a tractor with a lot of horsepower, but it won't do you any good if you don't know how to drive the tractor safely and in a way that actually makes economic sense. So, if you haven't heard me talk about obsidian.md before, please, please, please go check it out. And then look at, at the YouTube videos about it because it's not like you just install it and then just throw all anything that you've got in there and it just all magically makes you smarter. It doesn't work that way. It's something you work with for the rest of your life. You continuously make your content available to your personal knowledge management system and everything that you add to it adds to the body of content and knowledge that can then be indexed and harvested by what? An AI engine that you trained on that particular subject matter. There's, that is just scratching the surface of where we're going. You add Bitcoin into this and the Lightning Network into this and Cashew into this and Arc into this and all the things that I've been telling you about over the last four years it is a transformation of society, of personal well-being, of life outlook for humanity. Everything is going to change and it's going to change well within my lifetime. I'm going to be not in the ground as worm food before I see a complete and utter transformation. It's up to us as to whether that transformation is good or bad. And we really don't, we've had enough bad. I think it's time for us to have some good in our lives and I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.